This is Talking Tech brought to you by Whirlpool Corporation, a show where we bring you different perspectives and solutions to everyday commercial laundry issues. We're here to give you tips and tricks that can make your life a little easier and save you some time. I'm Freddie. I'm Jordan. And this is Talking Tech. Welcome to today's episode of Talking Tech. Again, my name is Freddie. I'm joined today by Jordan. You might recognize our voices from the commercial tech line where we help technicians in need get through their day. If there's a question that you would like us to cover, please use the questionnaire or find us on the tech line at 1-800-662-3587 and serviceconnections.org, both linked below. As always, you can find Talking Tech on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. Just search Talking Tech brought to you by Whirlpool Corporation. Now, to kick off today's episode, we are going to be answering another question we received from the audience. This question came in through the, que- uh, the questionnaire, and it was from a field technician named Mario inquiring about the Maytad commercial MYR and MYS washers. Mario asked, is the soap dispenser assembly the same size on MYR30 and MYR40, and are they interchangeable? Firstly, thank you for the question, Mario. And secondly, the simple answer is yes, the dispensers are the same, and therefore they are interchangeable. Now, obviously, in the field, you would probably need this information a bit quicker than we can get it to you via the podcast. So, as always, you can find it on serviceconnections.org, where there are parts manuals. Or, if specifically you're working on multi-load equipment, such as the MYR, MYS commercial washers, you can also call into the multi-load parts team at 1-800-662-3587, option 2, option 2, and they can help you out. So, for today's episode, we're going to be talking about heat circuit. So, have you ever worked on an American dryer commercial dryer with no heat? and didn't know why there was no power going to the ignition box. Finding out if you have power to the heat circuit is simple. First, we need to understand how power flows through the safeties. Before starting the cycle, safeties must be met, such as lint door and main door. Furthermore, in order to bring power to the ignition box, or the DSI, we need to meet other safeties, such as exhaust high limit, sail switch, and burner high limit. Today, we will understand how power flows through the circuit so we can better diagnose this issue. There are two primary boards that we're going to be covering today that you may already be familiar with. We're going to be talking about the Phase 5 and Phase 7 on American Dryer commercial dryers. Now, the two boards are different in their own ways, but ultimately are looking for the same safeties to run a cycle. So, first, let's take a step back to the basics, and let's start with the door switches. Yep, that's right, the doors. Now, on a Phase 5, the door circuit, lint door and main door, that is, is actually needed to start the machine, just like phase seven. However, it carries 24 volts from the transformer to the board, which is the same power that is then used for the heat circuit. Now, if this transformer is not working, or let's say it has no power to it or a fuse is blown, then the door switch and the lint switch cannot bring power to the board. On phase seven, this is a little bit different because the transformer actually turns on the board, but on phase five, it does not. Yeah, so it's important to know how they react differently. So that's how kind of power starts there, right? So moving on, 24 volts AC first travels to the lint switch, then the main door switch in that order. Once we start a cycle, power goes through the exhaust high limit, sail switch, and burner high limit. If one of those high limits or sail switch is not passing power through it, again, you will be missing power to the heat circuit and no power to the ignition module. It is important to note that phase five board will not indicate this issue on the display like a phase seven will. Well, that's a good point, Freddie. So back to the differences between phase five and phase seven, we always refer to this power flow as a series circuit, meaning power is flowing through one tr- one path, one road from sensor to sensor to sensor. 
Now on phase five, this is done all through external wiring and through the sensors directly. On phase seven, this is actually in series wired into the board. So for every output, such as the exhaust high limit, there's a return wire coming right back to the board. This is why phase five can seem like it, it can't tell you these faults because it doesn't really know what's happening. It's just putting power out there versus phase seven, which is looking for the signal to come back. That's where you get your sales switch faults, your exhaust high limit faults, and so on. So basically what you're saying is, in a sense, so phase seven, the smarter board of the two, it kind of, even though it still flows power in series, it cares more about those safeties being met one by one versus the phase five. It's, it's kind of, is more, uh, it's a lot simpler circuit. We still need the door circuit to be met, but let's say if our exhaust high limit is open, we don't get that indication on the board whatsoever. It's not that the board doesn't care, but in a sense, that is not an input that is looking for. It's something that happens afterwards. Exactly, Freddie. On phase five, it'll just run with no heat, but phase seven will actually have a dedicated fault for any of those safeties that are open or failing in some way or another. All right. So that being said, um, for phase five specifically, the lint door and the main door are the most important circuits we have to kind of pay attention to. Now on the phase five, you will get a door fault or a door signal uh, if those aren't met. And how does the board know that? Well, they get power from the 24 volt transformer. So basically, once the transformer is energized with whatever voltage, 120, uh, let's say in this case, then it basically is powered up and produces 24 volts AC, right? It's a step-down transformer at that point. So if we have that power available, it goes to the lint switch first, then the main door. For whatever reason, if we don't have that power there, maybe the, the fuse is blown or we don't have good enough incoming power to produce 24 volts from the transformer, uh, even if your door switches, lint and main door are closed, you still will not have uh, the ability to start a cycle because that signal, that 24 volts, is missing. Yeah, and similar to phase seven, but a little bit more simplified, there is an LED on the board that actually indicates this signal. So it's always a good point um, to look at you know, the LED on the board. Is it foolproof? No, but it can be a good quick insight if you just show up and you know, see this issue. Okay, so let's say, let's say the transformer is doing its job our lint switch is doing its job and the uh, main door is also doing its job. So that means we have 24 volts coming from the transformer through both uh, safeties, or in this case our switches, and makes it to the board. What happens as soon as I hit the start button, let's say on a phase five board, what, what happens at that point? So as soon as you hit the start button on a phase five board, what should happen is your motor output should come on. It'll send 24 volts to the contactor, start up your motor, and at this point you should get vacuum from the fan spinning. That'll actually suck in your sales switch, which in theory should complete this circuit in terms of a connection. Now at that point, the board is also sending out 24 volts to the heat circuit. So when you get the 24 volts out of your heat relay on the board, that 24 volts will go through your exhaust high limit and then through your burner high limit and sales switch. Now this is where that whole vacuum thing I mentioned comes into play because if the sales switch isn't getting sucked in because of you know bad airflow or something like that, then the power stops right there. It hits essentially a drawbridge and it's open so it can't cross. Now, if we do have good airflow, in theory, the power should then cross that bridge and go to our DSI to turn it on, and then the DSI will take over from there, which we'll talk about later. Yeah, exactly. So those are all great points. So you mentioned the sail switch. We know that we have power. Let's say if our door circuit is met, we hit start. We have power going out of our heat circuit. Supposedly, let's say that our motor's on, right? So let's say if this was a single motor machine, so that means that the drive motor also you know, has a pulley in the back of it, runs the basket, but it also runs the fan. If that's good, we create vacuum. The sail switch 
needs to be closed but is dependent on the fan turning in order to meet that safety. So that's the one safety here that we're totally dependent on the motor to close that safety, the sail switch, in order to then bring power to the DSI. So as long as our exhaust high limit isn't open, sometimes that's an automatic reset depending on the machine, could be manual depending on your model. The burner high limit, burner high limits are usually manual resets, which means you have to physically reset them, right? So always make sure that if you don't have power there, you or to your DSI, you, you find out if that's open or not. And then we get to our ignition module. So if all those things are met, great. Now, is that it, Jordan? Do we, once we have power to our ignition module, are we done? In terms of the board, the board has done its job at that point, but now the ignition module needs to do its job. So it's kind of handing the reins over for the DSI to take over. So once the DSI takes over, it's going to send power to our igniter, which of course will be in sparking. At that point, the power is then sent to the gas valve to open it and allow, obviously, gas to come through. At that point, you should, of course, get a flame to come on. And within a couple, you know, half a second, maybe, we get a detection of that flame and the module is satisfied and we're good to go. So, yeah, once it essentially sees the flame is good to go, we keep power until ultimately we reach temperature and the board shuts off heat, or rather, the 24 volts to the DSI. Yeah, so even if we have power all the way to the ignition module, it doesn't always mean that we're going to have heat. So one thing to know is the gas valve, right? The gas valve sometimes mistakenly gets replaced because we have power everywhere and it's still not going. These gas valves are pretty robust. Um, you know, the first question is, do we have what we need to turn on the gas valve? So we should have anywhere between 24 and 26 volts AC. Sometimes, because the gas valve is the biggest load, right? So it's the biggest coil in that system, in the heat circuit, um, it draws down that power down a little bit. For whatever reason, going back to the to the uh, transformer, for whatever reason, if our transformer isn't producing enough voltage, when the gas valve turns on, it will actually draw the power down to, let's say, as an example, 19 or 18 volts. That's not good enough to turn on that gas valve. So at that point, it isn't the gas valve's problem that is not turning on. It is the fact that there's not enough power. There's not enough juice. Now, is that because the transformer isn't producing enough power? Right? A lot of times, Jordan, we've seen on the tech line where the technician isn't getting enough power to the transformers, therefore can't produce it. Other times, we've seen one of the safeties, such as the burner high limit, have 24 volts on one side, but the other side have a lower voltage just because of the fact that it's old and it has high resistance. Right, So at that point, the, the burner high limit or the exhaust high limit, whichever it might be, it just can't pass the voltage through. And at that point, if the ignition module is getting what we think it needs, but then the gas valve isn't, then that gas valve just simply won't won't turn on at all. Yeah, I'm going to pull an analogy, Freddie, that you've probably said a thousand times to people on the tech line. But if you think of it in terms of the bridge I was talking about, if you have two lanes on the bridge and one of those lanes is shut down, traffic obviously slows because everyone has to squeeze through one lane. So if a high limit has high resistance, all that voltage and I guess technically amperage that should be flowing through now has to funnel essentially through a rocky terrain, a sort of uh, a slow down so to speak and as a result of that we can't give it the power it needs because the gas valve coil is essentially eating it all up yeah that's a great analogy right if we had a couple lanes open on the highway and then we shut down all but one you're still going to get where you need to go to it's just going to take way longer and you know the end result might not be the same here so always make sure that even if all your safeties we think that they're fine check your power or your ac voltage 24 volts in this case at your gas valve if it is dropping below what we think it's necessary we might want to work backwards through our safeties to see 
hey, is one of our safeties, does that just have high resistance affecting our ignition process? Absolutely, Freddie. And then one last thing I just want to touch on in terms of all the safeties is we've kind of mostly stuck with phase five because, uh, again, the power flow is basically the same. The difference with phase seven, once again, being that all those safeties tie back into the board. And as a result, you do have a series of LEDs across the side of the board that all correspond to a safety, like exhaust, high limit, main, door, uh, main lint. You have all of those LEDs that you can reference. So uh, similar to what I mentioned about the door signal on phase five, if you're having any issues with the safety circuit, sometimes it's good to look back at that uh, phase seven board, look at the LEDs, see what's coming on, what's coming off. Maybe you see a light flickering, maybe you see a light dimming, and then you can test voltage. And uh, another sort of leg up you get there is you can also test that voltage at the board as opposed to at the safety. So if you're just looking to see why you're not getting power, sometimes you can test it directly at the board and see where the drop's occurring and then go look at the safety itself. Yeah, so on a, on a phase seven board, again, the big advantage that we have here is if you're getting an exhaust high limit fault, we should be able to not only verify that looking at the back of the board, seeing if the exhaust high limit LED actually is on or off, and if it's off, we need to then investigate at the exhaust high limit, right? It, all our information's at the board, then we go to the part. Same thing with the sail switch, same thing with the burner high limit, so on and so on, right? All, the, all your indic indicators are right there on the board, so you don't really have to chase it until you can confirm that indeed that safety or that LED does not come on. Yeah, absolutely. Now, getting into a more specific issue, have you ever seen an ignition fault on an ADC commercial dryer? Well, let's break it down in our segment that we like to call the help code. Now, just like before, we need to understand how this fault comes up and what inputs we need before diving in. Today, we're going to break it down on a Phase 7 OPL and coin-controlled machine. Ignition fault is seen using the gas valve return voltage that the Phase 7 controller is looking for. So, Freddie, could you kind of give us some insight into how that return voltage works? All right, so one of the main differences between the phase five and the phase seven is that it actually has what's called, what we like to call a gas V light or a gas voltage light. Uh, that's how I think about it in my head anyway. So the phase five board uh, doesn't have this return signal, but the phase seven does. So how does the system work? So when we're running a cycle and our main controls provides 24 volts to our ignition module, the module essentially takes over sparking our igniter and then opening the gas valve. So with that in mind, how is the board supposed to know if the ignition, basically if the ignition system is doing its job? Well, in this case, we're looking for 24 volts returned back to the board uh, from the gas valve or you know, going to our gas view light. If the phase seven controller sees the voltage during the purge time, but then loses it shortly thereafter, the board then takes this as a DSI saying, we fail to ignite. So basically we have everything we need we have our voltage, right? So we have the green light, but then all of a sudden the light goes red. So the board goes, hey, there's something going on here because we no longer have power to our ignition module. So anything you want to elaborate on there, Jordan? Yeah, Freddie. So like a, a good way to kind of think of it is the, the DS, uh, sorry, the board is handing over the keys to the DSI. It's putting its trust in the DSI to kind of make the decision. So their only sort of cross communication between the two is that gas valve return voltage. So if the DSI is putting power on, the board's happy. The board's like, okay, cool, we have power. But then if it suddenly disappears, the board now kind of takes that as, oh, the DSI is trying to tell me something. And for ignition fault uh, specifically, this voltage has to be there for the purge time, which is basically the initial ignition and then shut down within the, you know, the five to six seconds. So if that does happen, the board is going, okay, we had flame or we had at least power present, but we lost it. So therefore... 
there was some sort of ignition fault. Now, a good thing to think about with this, Freddie, and I know this is your favorite phrase ever in the world, is a perception versus reality issue. So the biggest thing as a technician when you have an ignition fault is, are we igniting? Because if we're igniting, but the DSI cannot tell that we're igniting, be it that the flame sensor is not detecting the flame, then we may as well have not ignited and therefore we get the ignition fault. So you can take it two different ways technically, depending on what is physically happening on the machine. Yeah, exactly. And even the ignition module has its own safeties built in, right? So it's going to try to ignite uh, three times in a row, 30 seconds apart. And if it doesn't, then we come to a full stop, right? On a phase five board, we're basically using the ignition module to determine whether or not we continue or not. On a phase seven, we have, again, multiple safeties, temperature doesn't rise, gas V light, so on and so on. So that's a little bit easier, but we can always go right back to the ignition module to see what's going on. Jordan, you're right. I love that phrase, perception versus reality. What is happening visually versus what the board thinks? So for an ignition fault specifically, let's go, let's go to like a phase seven scenario or even a phase five, doesn't really matter. We spark, we light the flame, but then all of a sudden the ignition module tries to spark again and again and again. And then eventually, even though we have a flame or though, we, you know, although the heat is running, we don't have, or the board goes into ignition fault, let's say. In that case, the perception of the board is we didn't ignite. The reality is that we did. The fact is here that because the ignition wire did its job and then the flame sensor didn't do its job, as in, as in the flame sensor never saw the flame, either because the flame sensor was dirty, the flame isn't hitting it properly, so on and so on, the ignition module then tries to spark again. So always pay attention to that scenario. We're continuing to spark, although we have heat. If our flame is turned on, but we continue to spark, most likely the flame sensor itself does not see the flame. So the ignition module says, hey, we don't have a flame, we're gonna stop here. And then the basically the board says, because you've stopped, even though I've asked you to run the heat, I'm also going to give an ignition fault. On the phase five board, if you take it a step back, because we don't have that indicator on the board, we have to solely rely on the ignition module and pay attention to that, right? What is the ignition module doing, even though we're asking it for A, is doing B, right? So is it igniting? Yes. Did it ignite? No. Okay, ignition module is correct, right? We have an ignition fault. Are we igniting? Yes. Did we ignite? Also yes, but we continue to spark and then we get an ignition fault. Our perception and our reality are two different things. So that doesn't mean that you have to change your uh, DSI or your board or kind of go off on this tear to see which part is bad. On an ignition fault, if you see that scenario, always start by cleaning off your flame sensor and maybe the burner in front of it to ensure that the flame is directly hitting the flame sensor so the ignition module knows exactly what's going on. Absolutely, Freddie. Your, your favorite phrase may be perception versus reality. My favorite thing that I always say to people in the test line is, oh, your flame's on? Is it still zapping? It's always what I yeah, say. It's still, it's still zapping. That's, that's breaking... Basically, you just broke it down to an ex extremely simple level. Yeah. Are you still sparking? Yes or no? Do you have a flame? Yes or no? Yeah. We could definitely build on that scenario. If the answer to both is yes, yes, I have flame, and yes, I'm sparking, then we know exactly where to look. So, All right, so that's it for today's episode. Join us next time where we're going to take another question from our audience, and we're actually going to talk about the code F70 specifically for Maytag commercial machines such as the MHN33. As always, you can find us on serviceconnections.org. If you have a question, make sure that you use our questionnaire link below and also on the tech line at 
3587. Till next time.